Welcome to the Best in Beauty podcast, where you can get inspiration and strategies to help your spa and skincare business reach new heights. I'm your host, Claudia Fabian. Let's get this beauty started. Well, welcome to another edition of the Best in Beauty podcast. And today, you know, I think this is such an important topic that we're going to talk about. And I think a lot of spa owners spa directors, you know, find themselves in this conundrum of designing the perfect spa menu. And that can just feel so daunting. And when do you change? How do you know your menu is effective? So today I decided to reach out to somebody who really can tap us in to maybe some of those answers and give us her insight. And her name is Erin Meyer. She is the spa director at the Four Seasons in Seattle. Um, and we're just delighted that she's uh, been able to join us today. So, Erin, welcome to the Best in Beauty podcast. Thanks, Claudia. Thanks for thinking of me for this topic. I well, love the topic. Who personally. else? I mean, first <laughs> of all, Erin Meyer, you have years of experience not only managing spas, but med spas. Um, and you're at the fancy smancy uh, Four Seasons Hotel. So who better to um, use as a resource? So thank you for being on the show and for giving us your insights on your experience in creating a spa menu. So I know um, that when you recently made the transition over to the Four Seasons, there was some things that you had to kind of evolve and, and work on, especially um, pertaining to spa menus. So I think you're the perfect person to ask these questions to. Yeah, definitely. That was definitely the, one of the biggest projects in moving over to this property about a year and a half ago. And um, looking at the menu from when I started to now, it for the, for, it's about 70% of it was changed. So it was a really fun project to do. And yeah, so that's why I am very passionate about this particular topic. So Great. Love to talk about it. All right. Well, let's dive in. I have some questions that I think kind of will keep us on track and, and narrow in the important pieces of designing a spa menu. Um, let's talk about, okay, you're going to design a spa menu or you're going to maybe, um, you know, recreate it or redo it, whatever. What do you, what things should you really consider when designing a spa menu? Like, what are the questions you need to ask yourself? Yeah, I think you need to think about, I think first, especially like if you're going into a new market or uh, like like how I did, I went into a completely different market that I was in before. One thing is really studying your, uh, studying the market that you're in and what are guests of your area really looking for? Because it's definitely not a one size fits all by any means. You're going to have you're just going to have a completely different market everywhere you go. So you have to consider what is the consumer looking for? And then, um, and then also like, what, what is the spa that you're in? So like, what is someone going to be looking for when they consider looking at your spa? Is it something that's on brand? You need to look at something that they're going to think of when they come to you, but then, um, yeah. So I think market would be the biggest thing for sure. So taking into Mm -hmm. consideration the demographic, the market, who is the client, of that particular yes. spa. So and like, yeah, and what is your spa and who what are you known for? What do you want to be known for? Mhm. Yeah, I think that's so important to have a niche. I think, you know, spas tend to want to be everything for everybody and you can't. Yes. 
And that's where it gets real messy and you have a million services and you have a million brands on your shelves. It's just really niching down and not being afraid, being afraid to do that, you know, to not be afraid to say we specialize in this. Exactly. And what exactly what do you want to be known for? Like, what is this something that they're going to go to you for and that you're the expert at? And I think you said it perfectly is sometimes spas try to be everything for everyone. And sometimes that's just not the best. You have to think about, yeah, what works really well for your business and what's going to bring, you know, a good ROI and also be good for the consumer. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, recently returned from iSpa as you did as well um, here recently in Vegas. And I, you know, this year, you know, we didn't have a booth, but I was able to walk around and kind of be in the role of the buyer, per se, um, for lack of a better term. And I walked away thinking, I can't imagine spa directors, they must feel so overwhelmed with, you know, two or three days of all this information, classes, all these vendors, you know, approaching them and just trying to fit find the right product for their spa. How do you know, I mean, you've been doing this a while, and this might be good for even someone who's new to managing a spa or opening a business. How do you know what trends to add and which ones not to jump on right away? How do you make that balance? Mm, That's a good question. I... Yeah, trends are tricky. I think it's and sometimes they are what they are, and that's a trend. And you kind of have to see what sticks around. And I think once you've been in the business a while, you can kind of see like, oh, this is gonna maybe be more of a fad, or this is gonna be more of a something that's gonna be around for a long time that the consumer is just going to expect when they come to a spa. For an example, I think like one of the like the most recent things, in my opinion, that's been something that like is this just a trend or is this sticking around, and that's. I think dermaplaning would be one of those in a spa where it became a big trend, but it's definitely here to stay. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you kind of have to adapt to because your consumer's just going to want something like that. They're going to expect it when they go to a spa. And um, you're totally right. When you go to an eye spa, there's so much stuff being thrown at you. And again, I think that's where it comes down to like stick to who you are as a brand. And it all can feel like a lot of noise but if you know like this is the if you stick to like this is the vision I have for my spa and this is what I want us to be you find things that align with that and then you can you know either go with the trends or not and but as long as it aligns with who you are as uh as a brand then I think you can just go for it then yeah and I think that goes back to sticking to your niche and really niching you know making your offerings not so overwhelming and small and that keeps your buying decisions a little easier too I would think oh yeah absolutely then it feels less overwhelming when you when you go to something like an eye spa that had because there's gonna every booth that's there is they're gonna have an audience they're gonna have a spa that's like yes that's that's what I'm looking for that's what I need that's what my market wants and then there's gonna be people that it just doesn't work for and that's okay Mm -hmm. but yeah so I think it can tend to be less overwhelming if you just stick to who you are and, and what when you do you think, race. okay, so, you know, I've been to spas and, you know, sometimes I've revisited them year after year and it seems like their menu doesn't change, which kind of becomes from mm-hmm. a consumer, a little dull and boring. Yes. How do mm-hmm. you know when to reevaluate? Like when is a time that you need to say, okay, or, or is it yearly that you should reevaluate? Because I feel some spas 
aren't, you know, they're just year after year, it's the same thing. Yeah, I think what can help that too is I do think a yearly switch could maybe be a little too frequent. Um, And especially if you get your spa visitors that come once or twice a year, it can be like, oh, wow, it's completely changed. And what do I want? I really liked that service and now it's gone. But um, I think what can really help with that to kind of get you through those times is doing seasonal treatments things that like body treatments that cater, you know, it's summertime. If we do something that's more geared towards um, pigmentation or sunspots or things like that. Um, And I think if you do seasonal treatments that can help like switch it up for the consumer that is seeing you regularly and you can serve those regular people. Um, But then in terms of completely changing over your menu, I do, you know, it's hard to put a timeline exactly on it. Again, it kind of depends on what kind of spa you are. Like for us, for example, we we do serve a lot of local clientele, but we do see a lot of new guests all the time, as well as a lot of transient guests because we're in a hotel. So like for me, that would be a year over year would be maybe a little much, but it helps for us to have seasonal treatments to keep something exciting for the, our local consumer or someone who does maybe see us yearly to give them something new to look at or try. Um, but also keeping those kind of those staples that people love and want to get regularly. Um, but then in terms of, you know, we changed over our entire facial menu last year. That was just a necessary thing because of involvement of product lines and and where we were looking to go as a brand and a location. So with that, we did a complete switch over, but it had been fairly similar for the last few years before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. So seasonal opportunities um, for, you know, bringing in some new vendors or trying a new product, yeah. um, I think keeps it fresh. And, um, you know, also switching up your retail space too. I think sometimes yes. rearranging it every few quarters really can help it seem new and different. And I think that's, you know, really important as well. And, you know, one thing, one thing I want to dive into, which I think, um, I have noticed is that I have run into spa directors or business owners, spa owners, that they kind of are, I don't like to use the word, um, they're kind of, well, I'm going to say it. Let's just be real. (laughs) They're kind of a slave to their team. It's kind of like they walk on eggshells with their team. And, you know, they're afraid to make any changes. They're afraid to do this. They're afraid to you know, bring in a line that they may really like because they're afraid, you know, mm-hmm. how how do you navigate? How much input should you take from your team? And then when do you kind of put on your boss pants and say, okay, mm-hmm. this is what I know from my experience and I'm going to lead the way. How do you make that fine balance? Yes, that is, that is definitely a good topic to talk about because, well, I was in a lucky position because the team here that I came into was very open to change, very excited about it, was very on board. So it actually was a very seamless transition in that way. But there are, yeah, you're. that's the thing is you, as a director, owner of a spa, anything, you have to just know that some people are going to be resistant to change. That's just human nature. That's how it is. But sometimes that's where you just, like you said, put on your boss pants and say like, this is for the betterment of the spa. Sometimes you just have to communicate with those team members more and make them comfortable because it's not that they don't necessarily want to change things up. It's that change is just hard for them in general. But once you get through it and once you communicate enough through it all, it's like, oh, okay, that wasn't as bad as I thought. 
-hmm. You know, it's just that initial thought of change is so daunting sometimes to people. Um, And again, like I said, we, we went through, I did a complete revision of the, our facial menu last year. And in terms of the input from the team, it was very clear. I, I feel like I was very fortunate that it was very clear from the beginning that that needed to happen. So the team was all on board. So in terms of what input I took from the team, what I did was I picked out three different brands that I thought would be a great match for our spa and what I wanted our brand to be like, and that would align with how I wanted our spa to be. And I brought in those brands to do demonstrations, have the team work with them, try the product, because ultimately they're going to be working with the product. The question was, it wasn't was, are we going to change or not? We were going to change, but here are three options for you. Try them out. Let's discuss. I had my idea what I thought would be best, but ultimately they're going to be working with it every day. So, and I need them to be able to sell it too. So like sell the, sell the retail products, sell the treatments. They had to believe in them in order to be able to do them. So after we brought in the three different brands, we all came to an agreement of what we thought would be the best for our spa and the, and the product line that they would be most passionate about, because ultimately it's up to them to be able to sell and believe in these services that they're giving. So um, that's how we did it. So how, so the change, we all just knew it needed to happen. So I, I went ahead, brought in the three different lines. We all discussed, and then we discussed together as a team, what we thought would be the best line Mm -hmm. that worked for my spa may not work for everybody else, but that's what worked for us. And ultimately the team is so happy and passionate about the line that they're using because they had that, that, um, well, they had their input, input and they felt yeah. heard. And I think that's really yeah. important is just to make sure your team feels heard, whether or not you move in that direction. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, it's, it's probably a smart move just to really pick one or two key people on your team to help you make yes. a decision. Because I think when you have, let's say eight estheticians or, you know, or more team members, you're going to get eight different opinions. So it's so right. important to just, again, Narrow down. Hone in and take control a little bit. Um, yes. But yeah, I think it's important to involve. Um, yeah. And, and I think that's a good different, different, differentiating point to make is that my team is smaller. So like I had two estheticians and one dual esthetician, which she was massage and aesthetic. So at the time I only had three people. So it is a very small team. Now it's four. However, if you're looking at a multi-unit spa that has multiple locations, oh my goodness, do not do a training with all like 30 estheticians. That would be way too much. You will never come upon an agreement. So I think, yeah, pick your key players. For me, it was pretty much all of them because I only had three at the time. But yeah, pick your key players, your key decision makers, you value their input, you want their kind of buy-in. Once you have more of those people involved, then it's going to be so much easier to make a change throughout the entire large department if you have a larger department. Yeah. Um, but I do think, yeah, keep the opinions to a smaller smaller um, number of people, for sure. And, you know, coming away from iSpa and just, you know, being a leader in the industry, what do you think are the current spa um, trends that you're noticing this year? Um, have you seen some shifts or things, you know, changing? Like, what would you say is like one or two spa trends that you picked up on? 
Yeah, I think that it seems like one thing I'm kind of noticing just in general is like the experience that are people are looking for in spas. And that's that they want the whole experience. They want to come to a spa. They want all they want. They come there for the facilities as well. So they want an entire experience. So, you know, you saw I mean, I'm sure you saw it. I saw as well. There was a lot of different um companies with saunas cryo machines and all these different types of experiences you can get at a spa so i do think like the it's not just going to a spa and getting a a treatment it's you know do you have a pool do you have a sauna do you have a steam room do you, they want all the facilities available as well mm-hmm. um so i think that's one thing people are looking for a whole experience and then you definitely see more um you know different types of machines popping up Mm-hmm. too uh there's a lot of different very ones that are getting super popular um and there's and that are becoming more like nationally and globally known mm-hmm. and that people are calling to ask for specifically from a consumer perspective so I, I think that's another one that I was noticing as well yeah and I, I really walked away thinking wellness is huge people just oh yes you know we're still I think in this post-covid mindset of just like yeah. de-stressing you know um nurturing and wellness is huge. And I think that's here to stay. So I think that kind of feeds yes. into what you were saying about the cryotherapy, the saunas, you know, people are looking for a whole, like full body wellness treatment. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, this is an interesting question that we'll end on because um, it's obviously close to my heart, um, which is corrective treatments. You know, I hear both things from spa directors you know, oh, you know, we don't want something, you know, too cosmeceutical. We want it to be, you know, a little bit more spa-esque for lack of a better word. But what do you think, um, coming from med spa, now working on the spa side, do you think corrective treatments have a place in resort luxury spa? I I think so. I mean, it, it, again, on, it kind of depends on- That didn't sound very confident. <laughs> Oh boy. I, I, well, what I was going to say is again, it depends on your market. And so, you know, I think there's also a happy medium between, um, I think you can bring elements of a Medi spa into a resort and a spa. So there's things where like, you're going to have, because the thing is your consumer coming into a resort or a spa, they, they're probably going to be outside at a pool and in the sun, which you can't really do corrective treatments, and then go sit at the pool. So, but there is a happy medium uh, where you can bring elements of a med- medical spa into a spa, which is, we, we've sort of done that at our spa as well, mm-hmm. where you have things that you're going to, you're going to see results right away, but you're not going to have any downtime. Um, and again, there's other elements as well. Like you can, um, light therapy, LED light therapy could be an element of that or, um, doing like IV therapies you see more at spa now nowadays, or again, just treatments that you're going to get result, immediate results. There are more corrective, but you're not going to have that, you know, one to two week downtime. Yeah. Well, you did mention dermal planning. So that would kind of fit into that category as well. And I think there, you know, should be a balance of both because I think the consumer now more than ever is super savvy. And when they're coming to a spa, you know, you obviously have to have that fine balance because you are more of a, you know, resort type of environment. 
it's still nice to have a couple of offerings or upgrades that could give the uh, feel and yes. vibe of a corrective treatment. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Erin, this has been great. Thanks for, you know, giving us some insight as to kind of a sneak peek behind the velvet curtain of working as a spa director at a luxury resort um, spa hotel. And I just appreciate your um, joining us today and giving us those insights um, to building a successful spa menu. Any final tips or anything else that you'd like to add before we sign off? No, I think pretty much everything was said. You had some great questions. And All right. Well, if you'd like to continue this conversation, please join us on our social media and we'd love to hear from you. And Erin, thanks so much for joining us today once again and appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, Claudia. This podcast is sponsored by Edgeless Beauty Pro, the distributor of the best in beauty, featuring Ultraceuticals, one of Australia's leading cosmeceutical skincare brands, now available in the U.S. to licensed professionals, real skincare, real results. Do you need a way to set your spa apart? Edgeless Beauty Pro offers Observe 320 and 520X, the latest visual engagement sales tool to empower licensed estheticians to give the ultimate skin consultations and increase retail and service sales by 40%. Take your treatments to new heights. Edgeless Beauty Pro also offers Altair's Diamond Tome DT2 Skin Resurfacing System for skin rejuvenation and that superior glow. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you would like to continue the conversation, be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and on LinkedIn. If you would like more information on Edgeless Beauty Pro and our brands, please connect with us at edgelessbeautypro.com and get our education and event calendar. Sign up to get connected with one of our account executives to see if our brands are a right fit for your business.